Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-CEO of Established, and also your host. On this episode, I want to catch up with uh, Dawn Dixon Apagane. She's the founder and CEO of Popcom. It's a, a, new, a relatively new startup, but first, I actually met Dawn at her previous company when she came to the Start of the Year program many, many moons ago, back in 2014. Uh, she had a company called Flat Out of Heels, and she did phenomenal at the competition. She finished in third out of hundreds of companies and left a real great impression in my mind as well. So, her, her new company, though, is called Popcom, as I mentioned, and they're developing software that, to help make kiosks and vending machines intelligent through data and analytics at the point of purchase. So if you think about it, you know, in general, vending machines are not super smart. You put your money or card in and purchase something. Well, she's actually adding facial recognition, AI, and using leveraging blockchain technology to help retailers collect valuable customer insights that you know, could then be used later to continue to build relationships with those customers. So pretty cool product. Uh, hope you uh, have ch- can check it out. You can actually go to popcom.shop to learn more. Uh, before we do jump in with that interview, though, I want to ask our team members for, from, from our established team to share some words of advice. So first up, let's hear it for Rich Malloy from Established Ventures. He's going to share some insights for startup founders with the VC Minute. Hi, this is Rich Malloy with Established Ventures, bringing you the VC Minute. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's talk about the right target amount for your fundraise. The amount you're telling investors you want to raise is too high. This is one of the most common pieces of advice I give to founders and one of the most consistent mistakes I see founders make, and it is completely counterintuitive. You actually want to set your fundraising target slightly lower than what you want to hit. If you told me you were raising a million dollars and had 400K committed, I'm thinking you're only 40% of the way there and I have plenty of time to sit on the sidelines, so I'm leaning back. If you told me you're raising 750K and have 400K committed, now I'm engaged and leaning in. You're more than halfway there. You may fill out the round, and if I wanna hit my target check size, I need to move quickly. Now, there's a lot more to this advice than I can squeeze into this short segment, but the lesson here is that you want to be able to say this magic word to investors. Oversubscribed. And you get there by having both a lowball target and high interest. And then you get to tell investors that your round is oversubscribed. That's all for the VC Minute, Frank. Thanks so much, Rich. Really great advice for anyone raising a round uh, or thinking about raising a round. Next up, we've got our Director of Partnerships, Jackie Dietrich, who will provide some updates from our wonderful partners in our partner program. Hello, everyone. It's Jackie Dietrich from the Partnerships team here at Established with a few noteworthy items from our ecosystem. You'll find links to all of the details in today's show notes. From the Air Force, that's right, the Air Force, a program for startups to test the feasibility of their commercial solution with Air Force customers. It's a three-month contract worth up to 50K in non-dilutive funding, and it's an open solicitation, so you can propose any solution. The deadline is October 22nd. Hundreds of contracts Uh, will be awarded, so just don't wait until the last day to submit your proposal. From our friends at Centropolis in Southeast Michigan, there's an opportunity to join the nation's first Industry 4.0 Accelerator Program. 
It will globally crowdsource manufacturing efficiency technologies to partner with Michigan-based manufacturing firms. It's up to a $110,000 investment, coaching by industry experts, and introductions to manufacturers and customers. Finally, Mass Challenge has a number of applications open for early stage startups. These accelerators are located in a number of locations, including Texas, Mexico, and others, in industry verticals, including health tech and fintech. It's a zero equity model and a global network with nearly 2,500 alumni and over $6 billion raised. All of these partners helped us get startups to the top 100 for startup of the year this year with our summit in November. So thanks for your partnership. Links for all of these programs and how to get in touch with us about partnerships are in the show notes. Thanks so much, team. Great information as always. Now I'm going to share a little bit about what's happening at Startup of the Year. We've got our annual summit coming up November 16th through 18th. You're not going to want to miss it. So go to startupoftheyear.com or go to summit.startupoftheyear.com and learn more about it. Uh, we've got 100 startups that will be participating in this pitch competition during the event. They've all been you know, down-selected from the thousands that apply for our competition every year. Um, we've got you know, those, those companies are going to pitch a group of expert investors and, and other participants and be down-selected to the top five, which will pitch at the uh, finals on the last day, and we'll name the start of the year. Startup of the Year gets, the, obviously, the opportunity to call themselves Startup of the Year, along with a lot of built, built relationships through the, the last you know, several, several weeks we've worked with them, as well as at the summit, and not to mention an opportunity at a potential investment from established ventures. So lots at stake. It's going to be pretty exciting. Some great people involved as judges, as well as the startups are phenomenal. We've looked at all of them over the course of the last few months. Really great stuff coming out, um, really especially during the uh, this time that's really been tough for a lot of people with the pandemic. Um, these innovators have been continuing to push forward with their products, and it's really a, a really a, a, a blessing to see that uh, these great companies are, are pushing forward. So um, also at the Summit, though, not just startups. We'll, we'll be seeing some great um, thought leaders share their stories as well as um, you know, people like Tim Draper, he's a venture capitalist legend. He'll be sharing uh, his story and, and kind of some of the fun, <laughs> fun things he's run into through his long career of investing. We've got entrepreneur and author Kara Golden, who's an accidental entrepreneur, she calls herself. And uh, you know, basically, she started Hint Water. Uh, it's that tasty water that has um, zero sugar and is, is really um, amazing. And uh, she's also got a new book called Undaunted. So she'll be talking about her new book and, and kind of her journey in starting that company. We've got entrepreneur Mike Evans. He's going to be sharing his candid story behind starting Grubhub. He, was the, he developed a, the, the first product and prototype and led it to an IPO. He's going to share that story as well as um, his new startup, Fixer.com, and his forthcoming book, Hangry. So lots going on with Mike Evans. And then we've also got author and entrepreneur Rohit Bhargava. He will share the learnings from his latest um, book, which actually is the culmination of 10 years of non-obvious trend books. He's now got the non-obvious megatrends book. And uh, I'm excited to catch up with him. And he's got some really good insights about what, what to look for as almost we look into our crystal balls going forward. Uh, we've got author and uh, basically a, a, a specialist in the digital realm, um, Meredith Feynman. She's, she's a publicist, digital publicist for many people. She helps with uh, tips about how to basically get 
get your stuff out there and brag better. She's got a new book called Brag Better. Uh, we've got author Whitney Johnson, who's going to be, she's also an investor. She's going to tell us how to disrupt ourselves with her newest book, Disrupt Yourself. And there's so many more. I can't even list it all of them on one at one time. There's just so many more. So you're going to get a chance to see some amazing things. Uh, if you go to register right now, it's complimentary on us. Start of the year, would love to have you there as well as would establish. Go to EST forward slash summit 2020 and get a chance to be a part of this great community. Um, we're, we're continuing to cultivate and build. This year's summit will also highlight some, some veterans. We're excited about veterans and everything that they've been able to do for this country, and we appreciate it. So we wanted to create a new program this year and working with .us, and we created the .us Veteran Start of the Year category. So in partnership with .us, we'll be giving away a $10,000 non-dilutive cash prize given to the, the, the best veteran startup founded by a U.S. veteran spouse or dependent. Um, our partner is also giving away free .us domains. So if you have an idea or think you might want to shorten your current domain or, or maybe you're, you're thinking about doing something someday, go out there and claim your domain right now. You can go out and you know, get that domain going and, and hopefully you know, it's your dream domain. So go to, uh, right now you go to SOT or SOTY.link forward slash .us plus. SOTY.link .us plus. And it's actually going to be in the show notes as well. So don't worry about that. And you can go get your domain and get it going right away. Okay, now let's catch up with Dawn Dixon of Pagane, coming at us from Columbus, Ohio with her new company, Popcom. Hey, Dawn, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a long time. Great to see you. And thanks for jumping on the podcast with us. So I wanted to jump in and just kind of start with how we met. And uh, back in the startup of the year days, you had a company called Flat Out of Heels. And can you kind of share a little bit more about that story about the company and your experience there? Yeah, definitely. So Flat Out of Heels, where they are, we're still in business. It'll be 10 years in April. Oh, it's nice. Ballet flats for women when their feet hurt in heels. And so you can't relate, but I know your wife I think can't. You get, they do get sore, but I don't wear heels. <laughs> they do get sore. Yeah. Um, but they're, you know, for women to carry and put them in their purse or um, just for, for high heel emergencies. And my idea was to sell them in vending machines and be able to um, scale that and so they can buy them in machines when their feet hurt the most. And I needed to raise money. And I was living in Miami at the time and I heard of, you know, tech cocktail and in the pitch competition. So yeah. I uh, signed up and I was accepted to pitch. And that's, you know, that's where we met was when you were going around the country for the first startup of the year. So I actually yep. pitched on stage for the very first startup of the year. Wow. That's amazing. That's the, 2013 probably. Yeah, I was there. Yes. Wow. And I came in third. And, um, you know, I remember it was my first time really pitching on a big stage and they asked me a question I never heard of before. That was the first time I ever heard of lifetime value. So literally oh, wow. in Q&A, they were like, hey, what's the lifetime value of your customer? And I was like, oh my <laughs> God. And then I said, our customers will be with us for life because they <laughs> love the product. Yep. <laughs> Great. Yeah, on the fly, you gotta just make something up. Yeah. Uh, what does lifetime value mean? So, yeah. you know, such a, it was such a, a great experience for me, which um, certainly led to a lot of opportunities for me and starting Popcom and now where I am today. That's amazing to hear. Thank you for sharing that story. And I didn't know that, actually. So that's a, that's a new one. Um, and so also, can you, so, so you, you started that company 10 years ago, you ran it for a while, and then you came in, and you figured out another niche kind of in a similar space, but just tangentially over. And that's your current company, which is now uh, Popcom. Can you share that kind of how that happened and what 
where that where it is well, now? As I said, for flat out, my idea was to sell flat outs and vending machines. I felt like that was the best direct to customer distribution channel for women when their feet hurt. You know, you need it now. And right. I thought to myself, why don't more retail brands use vending machines in general to sell their products, especially something that's like an on-the-go or on-demand product? And so I said, okay, let me do this. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna pioneer this. And so when flat out, um, I did figure, long story short, figure my way around, you know, getting a vending machine in the market. Um, and that's when I realized the real problem and I experienced the problem. And just like flat out, um, where I experienced the problem of my feet hurting, for Popcom, I experienced the problem of me being a retailer, selling my product in vending machines and not being able to get any data, not being able to get an email address, not being able to remarket or retarget, not being able to bring them into my sales funnel, having no idea how my machine was performing. So therefore I could not scale this business. And at first my thought was, let me go find a company to partner with to make my machine smarter. I did not intend on going down the whole rabbit hole of creating software. But after spending two years looking for a solution that would help me to grow flat out through vending, I didn't find it. And then I said, okay, this is a really big opportunity to build something big that can scale globally in technology and to really make an impact and actually revolutionize an entire industry with technology, which is the automated retail industry. So I stepped down as CEO of Flatout and then now I'm CEO of Popcom building software that not only for vending machines, but also for kiosks that we order products from and then for lockers where we pick up products from. That's really cool. I mean, I never thought of that. I guess you don't get any data. There's no way to connect with the customer after they've purchase something really no, less than five percent had a crm system you have to manually go and check inventory there's no remote access everything is just so archaic compared to what we are used to in the e-commerce environment no that makes sense really cool so with that company you spun out you created this company i i think i read somewhere or heard that you went and joined TechStars in la right or is that was that the next step that yeah. because actually as a part of me winning my third place in um in startup of the year, oh, that's right. I you got an intro. David Cohen. And that's when I really met him and got familiar with Techstars. So fast forward two years later, mm -hmm. I did get accepted to Techstars um, and under Popcom, Techstars Los Angeles. So that was 2017. But I met them at uh, at the startup of the year. Oh, that's amazing. I'm glad to see that we're tying those loose ends. I had no idea that that's how that happened. So um, really cool and even cooler. I was just going to ask. So how was that experience going? You know, where, where were you at the time? You, you were in Miami still? So at the time, um, I was living in L.A. And that's why oh, okay. I was in L.A. program. It was a general program, so not specialized mm -hmm. in any particular right. um, sector. And um, it was a really great experience because for me, I was still coming off of flat out. So I'm really heavy in retail. Mm -hmm. Everything I was doing in tech at the time was tech for retail as far as like, you know, using tools and e-commerce. So I didn't know how to build a software business. I didn't know where mm -hmm. to start. I didn't know how to really figure out my business model, product market fit, or how to really scale a technology company like this. Mm -hmm. So Techstars helped me to really get the foundation and then learn how to build a team, raise money. Yeah. I raised my first million um at, during that time of tech stars or immediately following tech stars so it was just an amazing foundation also to validate me as a founder coming from the midwest or the south you know at this time especially they were not looking at founders anywhere outside of the coast it was very difficult if you were not in in those areas so for me being from the midwest born and raised went to ohio state not a heavy tech background tech stars really helped to really verify me as a founder to be able to move forward that makes sense and then, you know, so you, you built this company there and then, you know, you moved, moved the company back to your hometown, which is where Ohio State is in Columbus, Ohio. And that's where you are now, right? 
I am in my office right now, this very moment. What was the What was the driver for going home? Yeah, so after Techstars, right, literally the same week of my demo day, that's when the um, Steve Case and Rise of the Rest was making its way around other cities that get overlooked. Right. And I applied for Rise of the Rest in Columbus, and because I'm from there, yep. and I and I made it. So and I got accepted. So I went after demo day, Techstars. Two days later, pitched on the stage, Rise of the Rest. I didn't wow. win. But all of the local VCs and all of the um, investors were in the audience. So after I got off the stage, I said, I love this and we'll invest in your round. Right. And so I, several Ohio, uh, Columbus and Ohio um, investors came together and they put in about 700,000. So wow. it was just to come and build, build my company here. But in hindsight, which it was a, it was a blessing because, you know, cost of rent is low, cost of living, cost of talent. So yep. it was really easier for me to scale a company that was really capital intensive like hardware coming from you know staying in a city that you don't have to spend so much just to survive no that makes a lot of sense and we're you know as what we do with start the year we're always looking for companies everywhere um not just the coast um and so definitely resonates with with us and what, what we're all about but uh and obviously um obviously being being a big 10 school there you know i went to a big 10 school as well um and so i love i love it and so i guess i saw you on the rise of the rest i remember running into you um in columbus when you were when you were pitching and i saw your pitch it was really really great so yeah. glad to hear that that all um all kind of worked out now i'm kind of understanding the storyline of, of how it all came together so because i remember i was running out of town while you were running into i saw you pitch ran had a run because i was uh that timing of um i think i might have like i had a really young child at the time so i was kind of trying to relieve the little one or my, relieve my wife of the little one and get home so all right so Let's keep going though. You you were actually you kind of blazed the path. You talked about it briefly in a couple parts there, but you you kind of blazed the path from a funding perspective. Um, you ra you've raised some money. Um, you raised some money um, from local VCs as well as um, using some other uh, other ways as well. So now that you're in, in Columbus, can you talk about um, that raise and how you've done? It? I know you've been. Um, I think you were like the the first one to ever raise a certain certain kind of amount of funding um, on certain platforms. Can you talk about that? For sure. So my first round, I mean, I've definitely went the traditional route after Techstars and raised the first million from accredited angels, institutional capital, accelerators, and venture capital, right. and um, was one of the first 25 African-American women to raise over a million dollars in that way. Right. And then, you know, we came into a lot of bumps in the road, as many startups do. We ran out of runway. We were out of mm -hmm. money. We were, you know, trying to figure out ways to continue to, to grow. Um, we, we did not, our investors weren't really following on as fast as we needed. And then I started looking at other ways to raise capital and that's where crowdfunding comes in. So long story short, I was the, I became the first female founder of any race to raise over a million dollars in an equity crowdfunding campaign, a reg CF under the jobs act, which oh, wow. allows startups to raise money from both accredited and non-accredited investors. So which platform did you use? Just so, yeah. so I used Start Engine um, okay. and uh, Start Engine. We raised around 2019 for a million seventy thousand. We raised mm -hmm. around this year that we closed in May for a million, and we're actually raising money now. We have a, a open round currently right oh, wow. now today on Start Engine. Okay, so anybody that, so anybody wants to could go into that that account or that place and go and and, and fund you. What is it? What's the what's the lowest uh, amount? I guess minimum that somebody could fund you for. The minimum is $250 and oh, it's really easy. It's like shopping online, but you're actually, you know, purchasing equity in a company. So I, I love this new way that allows startups 
of any type of startup, not just a tech company, but any type of startup can raise capital and leverage the crowd, your community, um, your, your supporters that are accredited and unaccredited. So this is a, a reggae plus, which is a little bit different. It's a new type of uh, type of crowdfunding. Right. And so those, those investors now are all, are they all on your cap table or how does that work? Do you have like, how many do you have thousands of investors? <laughs> what does that look like? People think that's actually a great question. People just assume that I have 4,800 people on my cap table. Yeah. Um, I don't. Okay. I have two lineups on my cap table that represent those individual raises. Uh, so it's like a syndicate house handle. It. So 2019 one, 2021, and then another. Very cool. That's really, really cool. So I think that's a great option for how, so for anybody that's like starting up that's listening that could be a great way for them to get out there and raise some funds if they're having trouble with the classic methods. It's, and it's a great, it's a great um, a way to use for friends and family rounds. It's great for bridge rounds. It, you know, now with reggae plush, you're worth up to $50 million. So people are using wow. it as their series A in, in a lot of instances. So the reggae plus is the, the maximum is a million 70. So that's best served as like a, a friends and family or a seed or a bridge but the reggae plus up to 50 million that's a substantial amount of money that can really get a startup very far yeah i'd say that's really cool um and so what's like been the kind of things you've learned from that process because i think you're very unique and that you've been able to do this and do it very well um you've obviously you've heard of like kickstarter and some of these other ways that you know people are trying to fund their thing and a lot of times you hear that it's very much a marketing exercise more than actually a funding exercise can you share what you've been using or what's what's helped make you so successful? Thanks. Um, so it is it is very much so relying on marketing, um, advertising, and then leveraging your network. So I, I over the years, I mean, I didn't know I was going to crowdfund, but I all the steps that I was taking prepared me for this because I, I had built my own personal email list. And so I was mm. already sending out uh, monthly or quarterly updates to my list of people that I meet as I go to conferences. You know, even people that I met at Startup of the Year. You meet people and you're like, oh, you're cool. We have things in common or maybe we can work together, but then you don't know what to do right away. So I just mm -hmm. created a, a list back in 2014. And I say, let me add you to my update list, keep you updated what I've got going on. And if something comes up, then we can work together. So I would send up out updates, news we're in, what I'm working on, challenges I'm having. And people began to be really um, connected with me. And mm -hmm. so when I started raising capital, I leveraged that community that I built over years. I also um, made a point, and I think it's so important for all founders to make a point to be a thought leader in your industry. So I positioned myself to be a thought leader by writing blogs, contributing to um, publications in my industry, always talking on social media, sharing information about my industry. So that also created an audience and a community of people that thought I was trustworthy. So it was mm -hmm. on top of building trust, on top of you know building credibility. And then when I went to raise a crowdfunding campaign, I didn't come out of nowhere with, hey, give me money. They had mm -hmm. been seeing me for years working and making progress and being transparent about the process, the good things and the bad things. And that made them feel comfortable to invest their own dollars. That's really cool. I mean, I think it's it's something that's an art. And I don't think people people are kind of, you know, think it's easy. It's not. And you're doing a great job with it. So also we've leveraged Facebook ads, which have been tremendous on a return for us. So um, it, you don't have to be like a very high profile or very visible founder in order to get your message across because of tools that exist that can get your campaign in front of the right people based on targeting. So that's also helpful. Right. So we'll share the link in our uh, show notes for sure. You know, we'll get that link from you uh, for the current open round and anybody that's listening and wants to 
to be a part of the the journey here with um with your company yeah. your new company um they can be a part of it so that's really cool okay let's talk a little bit more about the product i love product you know we talked a lot about funding we went down that rabbit hole let's dive back into the product it's you know it's a really smart vending machine i'm curious now about what does that mean like what have you built that's that's unique and who can use it and, and all that yeah definitely so actually our product is software we consider ourselves to be a software a SaaS company and we build software for hardware and in order for us to demonstrate the full power and capabilities of our software, we built hardware called the Pop Shop, which is a um, very unique type of vending machine that can dispense products. But not only that, can deliver our software, which is our secret sauce. Mm -hmm. And what makes our software special is that we use facial recognition, machine learning, and blockchain technology to gather customer data at the point of sale. What we do for vending machines is very much what like Google Analytics does for websites. So right. we don't take any identifying information, but the way that Google Analytics takes the IP address of your shopper and tells you if that IP address has been there before, how long they spent, if they convert it, we consider the human body the IP address in this instance. And so we don't take identity, but we'll say, this is a human being, this is their approximate age, their approximate gender, up to 92% accuracy. So in your case, say this is a male, he's an adult. So we're not gonna mm -hmm. get your exact age, but a male adult, yeah, don't tell anybody senior. that. No one wants to hear that. You're not a senior citizen. <laughs> you know, you're a male adult. Okay. And, um, you know, how, how are you engaging? How are you, uh, did you convert? Um, how many people walk by the machine? What is the demographic makeup of the, of the people that walk by? What's the makeup of people that actually are shopping with you to help retailers get a really great snapshot of, of who their customers are for the first time? Also integrating things like lead generation, social sharing, digital receipts that also prompt you to share surveys. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to do gamification. Mm -hmm. um, just anything you can do in the e-commerce environment, you can now do on our machine. And the mm -hmm. two cameras are what brings all that data into our dashboard. But we also, the, the real kicker is our software can be integrated in multiple types of hardware, not just our pop shop. The reason we did the pop shop was to show what we can do Right. But the way we scale is for is by integrating our software into as many hardware coming to the market as possible. So my vision is to be like the Windows, the vending machines, where you get a get a laptop and it's Windows on there, unless you're getting a Mac. I want it to be like you get a vending machine or a kiosk. There's the Popcom system that's preloaded, and then you can use that. The different uh, you can pick the different options that you want to really maximize your data collection abilities. That's unbelievable. I, you're also reading my mind. I, my my follow up question to that was: Can you swap out the hardware with whatever you'd like to be able to use this this uh, this unique software? So that's yeah. great. I love the approach. I think it's really smart because um, you obviously you don't want to be that hardware company kind of that you're positioned in a much better way as a SaaS. Yeah, company. we partner with hardware manufacturers, so we actually don't build any hardware at all. We don't build it, manage it, service it, insure it. Our hardware manufacturing partner does all that, and then they. You know, then we just make sure that the software is working on our side. And then I left out an important part about our, our product is the advertising. So our goal is to turn all of these vending machines. There's 9 million machines in the U.S., 18 million in the world. Mm -hmm. um, turn these machines into basically real estate that is delivering advertisements and monetizing beyond just selling a product. Because if you think about everywhere you go, there's a vending machine, but it's not doing anything but selling Coca-Cola or something. Right. Ads, sharing information it could be much more interactive mm -hmm. so we want to help these retailers in these spaces monetize more than just product sales i'm that kind of reminds me of you know you go to to put gasoline in your car unless you drive a tesla 
um, you know, or some other electric vehicle, you put gas in your car and there's that monitor that kind of starts trying to talk to you and tell you stuff. Is that what you're thinking? Like trying to make those things smart? And you're watching a commercial because you have no choice. You're standing right there. Right. Exactly. And And that's exactly what we're doing to, you know, take advantage of the real estate that so many machines take up across the world. Interesting. A couple of follow-up questions, you know, and this may be not the right place. You're not building actual hardware, but I'm thinking about like, um, fresh, fresh foods and things like that and vending, vending machines. Is that something you guys have to think about or tackle versus, um, is or is that more like a hardware question? Where like if I want to get a salad on a vending machine or whatever. We partner yeah. with manufacturers that build all types of hardware, so we do have refrigeration with yeah. refrigerated machines where that could be integrated with our software. We're doing that right now for a, a beverage company that's using our software. They have a refrigerated machine. Actually, two companies that sell beverages. So any type of machine that you can really think of, mm-hmm. we can deliver with our software integrated. Right, and some some might that's really interesting. Some might think that like the mechanism of the vending machine is outdated, but then all of a sudden COVID hits, and I don't want to talk to anyone, <laughs> right? Or you look at Amazon, they're they're building shops where you don't have to pay for anything; you just go and swipe it or whatever. So I feel like um, is that is that uh, first off, two questions there. How has COVID kind of hit it, you know hit you guys as far as like has it helped you hurt you? And then what are you guys seeing? COVID's definitely helped our company and, and also just the overall automated retail industry because of what you said. People are looking for frictionless, cashless, touchless, you know, retail and, and ordering food on your phone or on a kiosk or, you know, picking it up at a designated space or in a locker or yeah. ordering it online and picking it up from a machine or just not having as much human contact. So even though we don't build hardware, we certainly made sure that the hardware that we work with is um, current with, with the, the the life we live now with COVID. So you can right. use our the machines we deliver. You can use them with a pen, a glove, a stylus. You don't have to touch them with your hands. You don't have to worry about germs since that's a big thing that we're thinking about, just surfaces and yeah. touching surfaces. But the way that it impacted our business the most was that we moved our supply chain from China to the United States. So now all of our products oh. are manufactured in the United States, which wow. is you know better for us as far as speed mm-hmm. of delivering the product. And then, you know, we never know what's going on in the political environment these days. And we don't want our customers caught in the middle of that when it comes to getting their product in their hands. So we're bringing it here to the U S and we build things in Connecticut now. Oh, I love it. love to hear that it's in the United States. That's amazing. Uh, so I guess little silver lining, I'm sure there's been, you yeah. know, nothing's been perfect right now right, with the, the pandemic, but... Perfect, but learning how to adapt is really critical for yeah. everyone, especially companies. Right. No, definitely. Um, okay. So, Let's see what else um, you've, you've been able to, you know, manage, you know, through, you know, raising this through, through a number of different funds. You're managing, you know, not a question I had before is like, you're not managing 2000 investors, managing just a couple. Um, you're, you're raising this round right now. Where is that going to take you guys as far as what um, from a trajectory and what's kind of on the horizon for what you're up to? Yeah, awesome. So we're launching with our first uh, 20 to 30 machines in the first quarter of 2021. Mm-hmm. And what we did put in place in response to COVID and the impact that it had on retailers who are our customers is we introduced a lease program. And that mm-hmm. wasn't in our initial business model because that will require us to purchase all of the hardware and then lease it out with monthly payments. And as a startup, I felt that that was just very capital intensive, but we're right. raising capital to be able to do that because our retailers, our customers, they definitely took a hit and they may not have $20,000 to drop on a machine or to try something new when they're just trying to struggle to stay in business. Right. So this round will allow us to aggressively roll out our lease strategy and offer the, the the pop shop and any other vending machine to our retailers as fast as possible and get them in get them in business. We have to make some key hires, hiring a CTO, hiring a couple people in products, hiring several full stack developers, 
And so it just allows us to scale, gets us a couple of years of runway. I mean, at our current run rate, it gets us 36 months, but we want to we wanna burn more. You know, we, we see if we can be as aggressive as we like, it'll get us about 20 months. And mm-hmm. then we'll look at when our next round will be, whether it's a strategic round with mm-hmm. a institutional investor or, you know, opportunity to take advantage of uh, the crowd again. And there's many forms to do that. Right. That makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about what drives you. Who are some mentors that have kind of like kept you going and, and, and kind of put you where you are? I have a lot of great people in my life that really push me. I would say the first person that comes to my mind is Brian Burkeen, formerly of Kairos. And now he is a managing partner of Lightship Capital. He was the first person to say that my idea was a good idea to put face recognition on vending machines because my first thought was, you know, I saw Kairos, his company, um, at a conference counting people walking by the conference booth. And right. I said, Can you put that on a vending machine to help retailers understand their traffic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, nobody ever asked me about that. That's a great idea. But, you know, you should try it. And I, it was just me by myself. There was no one else. And he immediately became an advisor. At this point, you know, he was a very well-known founder, had raised many millions of dollars. And I'm just with an idea. So he definitely came behind me and helped me to, to start. And now he's a board member. We yeah, also okay. have, you know, Jeff Hoffman, who everyone knows him from Priceline fame, from being right. one of the co-founders of Priceline. But Jeff was actually the person responsible for putting the airport kiosks that program he rolled that out and so just having his guidance on how to introduce a kiosk and really um get an industry to completely change the way they do business if you think Mm -hmm. about before kiosk you were going in line getting your ticket from a from the airline employee they're tagging your bags they're doing everything for you even if you need a ticket to wait in line now Mm -hmm. we're tagging our own bags and so having his guidance on how to completely innovate and disrupt an entire industry has been uh, very, very helpful. And the last person, not last because there's many, but Angela Benton for sure. Um, she now is a founder of, of Streamlytics, but she was a founder of a accelerator called New Me. And they were the first accelerator to take me mm-hmm. um, as a black female founder, not tech background, living in Miami mm-hmm. to teach me how to really build a financial model and, and, and start to raise capital. Great. Those are some great mentors. But it is Jeff Hoffman who's responsible for me tagging my own bag. So I'm going to have to follow up with him about that. You know what? I was not happy about that tag. <laughs> I'm going to say, I said, okay, I'll print the ticket, but now you're making me work. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So let's let's dive into um, some advice you'd give to any other startup founders that are out there right now that are listening. My number one advice is always trust yourself. You know, I, I like to say you, you know more than you think you do. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we second guess ourselves, especially when we have an idea that's not um common or that's new or innovative and so when i started thinking about talking about vending this is back in 2013-14 and this was the time of the apps i call it the planet of the apps everybody yep. wanted the app everybody yep. wanted a subscription model box i remember even when yep. told, take flat out to make it a subscription box and i was like right. what right. oh so, you know everyone right. told me my idea wasn't good it wasn't right. stable. i didn't have a big enough industry but right. i knew something within me told me and who knew in 2020 we can't touch people anymore. <laughs> I know, right? No one did. You know what I mean? Like, who right. would have known? So I had to trust that voice within me saying, don't give up. It's not a bad idea. It's not mm-hmm. the right time. But by the time it is the right time, mm-hmm. you'll be ready. And so keep building. And yeah. so that's my advice is, is to trust yourself. You got this. If it's the idea that you have, you're the best one to execute. It doesn't matter how many competitors there are. Your idea is unique. The way you do it is unique and never give up. Because I feel like the only way to fail is to quit. And I just don't quit. And that's my advice to everybody. 
And that's, I think, you know, I love seeing you, you speak and share these stories and that you can definitely see that you, you're not going to give up. So I love that about you. So let's just share, end with a couple, got anything special you want to share that's new? Any, anything, any plugs for the company or anything you're working on? I mean, on top of the fact that we're, we're raising capital, another round, startengine.com forward slash popcom. I'm really excited that we've made some tremendous he headway in the regulated retail space. So we're the first company um, in the history of America to have a software solution approved to dispense alcohol and vending machines without a human wow. so market. I can't say who our marquee customer is, but it's a very big alcohol beverage uh, company in the United States. Yeah, We're rolling it out next year with them, but it's just going to change the alcohol industry in the regulated retail space. And that was something that was very dear to me was figuring out a way to disrupt industries, make things better for certain industries. And so that's super exciting. Definitely. And as you, I don't know if you followed, but like the last few years, the alcohol consumption has been going like this. I think that's a good, I mean, good way to this, this year it's gone like, <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't slowed up. Right, right. So, it's gone up. So, uh, all right. So, but obviously everyone drinks drink responsibly and uh, you have to be of age. All right, so let's go uh, with the final thoughts. Uh, how could anybody get a hold of you if they wanted to contact you or, or you know, learn more about what you're doing? You mentioned the, the link um, on, on Start Engine. What else? Definitely, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I, okay. LinkedIn is LinkedIn forward slash Don Dixon. I answer, the, I answer the messages. I'm, I'm in that inbox like it's my email. That's where I do all my networking. And you right. can definitely get in touch with me there. I share a lot on Twitter. Um, so definitely follow me on Twitter under the Don Dixon and then, you know, check out Popcom. We have a lot of cool things going on and we're on all social media channels. That's Popcom S-A-A-S starting. Software. And your domain is unique. It's it's Popcom.shop, if I remember correctly. Popcom.shop and our products oh. are Popshop. So just wanted to keep it all in that. You know, yep. in that, that Makes brand. sense. Makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Don, for joining us. Really great to catch up. Great to see you and uh, definitely keep on moving. You're doing great stuff. Thank you so much. All right. I lo always love hearing from startup founders and their stories, especially people like Dawn Dixon, Apagane. She's got a great story and has continued to build new products. She's started multiple companies, has raised a lot of funds, and she's a minority as well as a woman. And it's pretty amazing to see what she's been able to do. And I'm hoping that by sharing this story, it'll inspire other um, people to go out and do things that maybe have been, they've been thinking they can't do. I mean, it's a very inspirational, motivational story. Uh, and I'm excited that we're, you know, she's been a part of our program and we love to continue to support her in everything she does. So thank you, Don. Really appreciate your time. And we're obviously here to, to help. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to our show and please review it because we won't know how we're doing unless you review it. So, And we also like to read feedback. So if you get a chance and uh, wanted to share some insights or maybe you want us to think about doing something different, leave us a review. We'll be out there looking at those reviews and answering them. Um, we can't do it without the feedback and the support of you guys all listening. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll continue to make this a better program for everyone. Finally, if you have a startup idea and you want to get it out there and get it going today, remember, today is the best day to start up, not tomorrow, not the next day. And I'm not saying just launch it. You got to start with something. You got to start writing it down in your notebook, iterating on those ideas, talking to other people, thinking about how you might seed this product, get that prototype going. It's all baby steps, one day at a time, but you, it all starts with today. So get it out there, get it going. And until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Stay safe out there and be well, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll be back with another episode soon.